pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Michael Jimenez. Halftime. Yes, sir. It's halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 1033 FM. We're on the go at com. What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. It's Michael Jimenez, your host from 12 to 2. We do sports, pop culture, and nostalgia here at halftime. It's a fun show during your lunch break. And my co-host today is my boss, my boy, Rob Thompson. <laughs> What's going on, my man? Not much, man. I'm sitting on the other side of the studio, and it looks weird. It, it's a it, perspective that I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with. This is how I know that you're a good boss, Rob, is the fact that I'm sitting in your chair. It's your show. Well, I know this, but this is your chair. You know, I was expecting to be on the other side of the studio because, again, you're the boss man. This is your this is your spot. Your keys are over here. Your stuff is well, over here. I got here. here first, but that doesn't mean it's my chair. <laughs> I mean, after you're gone, Ryan Eagle's sitting over there. And it's been a while since we've done halftime together. So I'm going to give you a little story as to how and why we sit where we sit. Okay. When I first got here, and I'm like, uh, uh, when you compare me to Minix, who's been here since they opened this building, uh, when we began the Sports Stars um, 14 years ago, or back then it was the zone. This studio, where I'm sitting, uh, didn't have a window. It was just a dark studio. And Minix had this phobia about having his back to, the, I don't know, back to the door. Like he's a gunfighter. <laughs> Somebody's going to come and try to jack him. So I guess from the get-go, he had always sitting in this conf- sitting, sat in this uh, configuration. And then about four years ago, they came and put this window in, and Minix came and said, hey, man, uh, you want to change spots? <laughs> Sorry, my brother. <laughs> You've made your decision. I'm sitting where I'm sitting. So Minix got stuck with his back to the window. And before we had this uh, beautiful sports star logo there, you know, it's kind of like being in the zoo, and you don't know if people are standing behind you watching it. Very true. And they can see what's on your screen. And uh, the bosses will walk by and see what's on your computer screen after they put the window in. So Minix chose wisely to start and poorly to end. You know, it's funny because people walk by and they sometimes take a look inside. Yeah. And uh, sometimes during movie reviews, they look at me a little bit weird. Joe Reinagle being the one who looks at me the weirdest, right? He gives me these looks. Today is movie review Wednesday. We're doing Terminator 2. T2 saw it for the first time last night. So already people are threatening me on Facebook and on YouTube about this and and on Twitter. But we're live on Facebook and YouTube. You can uh, search San Antonio Sports Star, like and subscribe, and leave a comment or two. Lots to talk about today. Lots of giveaways. I love it when we give away prizes, Rob. So we have four sets of concert tickets. In the 12 o'clock hour, we're giving away two sets of tickets to see Brooks and Dunn in concert in June at the AT&T Center. And then we have Coheed and Cambria to give away for the second hour at 1 o'clock. Now, I don't know how to give these tickets away, Rob, because you and I have gone back and forth about this because 
you know, sometimes people call in, they say, you know, be caller number or whatever, and you win. But that, to me, is kind of boring. So I'm going to try something here. You know, the biggest song that I know of of Brooks, of, of Brooks and Dunn is Neon Moon. So if you want a chance to win these tickets, you have to call into the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines and have a sports take and give me five seconds. All I want is five seconds of you singing Neon Moon, okay? I'll sing along with you if you want me to. Oh, don't do that. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll stand back. I'll stand back. <laughs> well, the two best callers slash singers will get tickets. We'll be giving them away in the 12 o'clock hour. Again, Coheed and Cambria tickets as well in the 1 o'clock hour. No one has to sing for those. Why not? Because I don't think people know the songs, man. That would make it easier to win. <laughs> that is true. That is true. You know, Coheed and Cambria have been saying all week, sounds like it's a cigar. It does. You know? The Cohiba. Yeah. But uh, we have lots to talk about today. So if you're going to call into the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines, it is 656-ESPN. Lots to talk about today. You know, Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy dropped a bomb on us last night when he just basically just offhand said, oh, by the way, Dak Prescott, you know, quarterback, America's team, uh, he had shoulder surgery. And he's talking to us about that, and we'll, we'll hear from him in a moment. At 1230, you know, if we could draft the entire NBA, who would go first? So let's say that all the NBA players are free agents and we had a draft. Who would go first? Would it be Embiid? Would it be John Morant? Who do you got? You can reach out to us again on Facebook and YouTube about that. Also, Kielbasa Bacon phone lines are open. You know, Josh Primo continues to struggle. I'm a big Primo fan. I've grown to like him. I was confused by the pick last summer, and I'm glad that he made his way through and he started playing with the varsity squad, started playing with the Spurs Got sent back to Austin, and he laid an egg last night. Is this a big deal or not? And again, at 1.30, we're doing movie reviews. It is Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which, by the way, Rob, I was in Seattle last weekend for my wife and I. We had our 10-year mm -hmm. wedding anniversary, and at the Museum of Pop, Mopop is what they call it. It used to be the EMP. I guess they've decided they needed to expand their footprint but it's the one right downtown right that had the like the big guitar the um, guitar mural, mural or whatever thing yeah that is one of the coolest museums i've ever been to yeah it's right next to the space needle did they have it's the one that has the like the uh uh um jimmy hendrix yes wing okay yeah there was a jimmy hendrix wing a pearl jam wing there was one for nirvana yes uh was, it was yes a big deal back then there too i think it, i didn't see that one <laughs> yeah. no but they had a horror one a disney one it was it was very very cool that guitar one 700 guitars pretty cool. put together as like kind of like a statue type of thing but while i was there they had a an exhibit that was all about sci-fi okay and in there they had the costumes to Terminator 2, you know, the, the T-1000 or whatever they call, that, yep. that that metallic one. And because I had never seen the movie, but I knew I was doing the review this week, it was kind of funny that I'm taking photos of it and doing selfies with it, and I have no idea what any of that's all about, but I saw the movie finally last night. So does the, the museum make a little bit more sense? Now, I got there's been a lot of Terminator movies. Now, this is the one where they come back and try to... There's another Terminator, a good Terminator, or ba another bad Terminator that comes in. The liquid dude. Yeah. It's got Furlong in it still. Yes, Eddie the Furlong. The Son. Okay. This is the first Furlong movie. Okay, apparently. so the first Furlong movie. And this is the one where they come back and try to to uh, kill the founder of Skynet. Is that the one? Well, they try to kill Furlong first. They're, they're, the, whole, the whole point is they're trying the... 
the metallic Terminator is trying to kill right. the, the the boy. But does the, right? the the inventor of Skynet play into this one? Yes. Okay. Yes. Then, now the, I know the movie. Yes, and Sarah Connor is uh, going after him. This so. is her first badass stretch. Yes, uh, it looks like she works out. Yeah. So we'll be talking about that at one thirty. But you know, last night. I completely jinxed the Spurs, and I apologize, <laughs> Spurs fans. It's my fault. It's my fault. You know, and it's because I am I'm not a member of the media. What do you call what I do? Because a, I'm not a media member. You're, I, a, you're a member of the media. You're not the journalist. I think is the best way to define what we there do. There you go. I am not a journalist, but I'm a member of the media. Okay. Okay, because uh, we can win awards. Like Rudy J won one last week, right? Well, he got a journalist one because that's like a special award. So he's special <laughs> now. So, uh, but as a member of the media, one of the powers that they give you, aside from you getting a microphone, is the power of the jinx. <laughs> and it happens. You know, you, we watch football games where they're like, oh, you know, Greg Zerline hasn't missed a kick in three months. And all of a sudden it's wide left. 80% from the free throw line. <laughs> yes, and, and clank, right? So last night I tweeted out there, you know, the Spurs are having a good night because both the Toronto Raptors and Boston Celtics are losing at halftime. We own, the Spurs own their first round draft pick, so we need those teams to lose. And of course, both of those teams, the Raptors and the Celtics, came back to win. And the game that I watched the most about that last night, the Celtics beating the Hawks 107-98. The Celtics were down by 12 at halftime. Mm -hmm. Just when the third quarter started, came back and immediately tied the game, took the lead and never looked back. But watching Derek White out there, 18 points off the bench, 7 for 13, you know, it kind of reminded me of what it's like for some people to see a photo of of, a, of an ex or something like that on social media. It's just kind of awkward. Is it an seeing, ex when you broke up? Even still. Okay. Even still. It's just one of those things where it's just kind of odd seeing them wearing a different jersey. But Derek White looked good out there. Now, tell me, I, I honestly, I've only seen highlights of Derek White. I haven't seen the Celtics play at least more than three or four minutes with him in there. What's his role? Is he is he the same Derek White that he was with the Spurs, or is he? What's he doing differently? Is I know he's surrounded by better talent, obviously. So there's some things that he can do easier. Because quite frankly, he's not a better guy on the court. He's the you know he's the third option, fourth option when he's out there. But he's obviously useful. I just don't know what Udoka Ime is doing to get him involved because it's working. It is working. It's so bizarre to see it because his role is different than what he had with the Spurs. He goes in there and basically, you know, he's he's not starting first and foremost. He's coming off the bench playing significant minutes. But really what he is, he's the third offensive option. But he's not handling the ball a lot, which is kind of strange because, you know, with the Spurs, DeJounte Murray handled the ball. And if it wasn't in DeJounte's hands, it was in Derek's hands. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the way that it was. So you're seeing a lot of off-ball movement that he's doing. He's coming around screens, grabbing, attacking the basket. He's having so much success as a mid-range assassin more than anything else. Last night, again, one for five for three. I don't understand why teams allow him to shoot three-pointers. He can't make them. And it's so funny because the announcers yesterday were saying, you know, Derek White is uh, you know six for his last 30 from three. And uh, we're just hoping, you know, the Celtics are hoping he's going to improve from from behind the arc. And I was like, yeah, well, good luck with that. That That's not going to happen. He's not a three-point shooter. But for some reason, he's still given the green light to shoot five or six a game. Last night, one for five from three. But everything else he did from inside the arc was 
fantastic. He played amazing defense yesterday, and I'm happy for him because that Celtics defense, that Celtics team is getting better by the day. Five assists in 27 minutes, uh, 7 of 13 from the field. You said at the mid-range assassin. Obviously, he has helped them exceeding. And it's interesting that we talk about how well he's playing, and uh, you, you follow that up or prior to bringing up J- uh, Josh Primo and the way that he just seems to be lost in this mix. You know, we spent an entire year with him sitting behind Derek White. Well, half a year sitting behind Derek White. And, and by the time White was exited, Lonnie Walker was ready to kind of step in and fill that void. Um, as a, a Primo new fan, how does this bode for you? I mean, do you, does this feel like... Primo's going to play this Lonnie Walker next two years trying to figure out where his face is while Lonnie Walker finally has figured it out? Or is this just about just getting in and getting reps with the starters and uh, it's just a matter of time? It's about getting reps, man, because I take a look at Lonnie Walker right now. It has taken him four seasons to figure it out. Lonnie Walker is just 23 years old. I think we look at him and think that he's in his late 20s for some reason. Uh, But he came to the Spurs very, very young. Just like Brock, just like Josh, one year ahead. Yeah, just like Primo, you know, and and we're about three or four years away from Lonnie Walker's prime. And well, he won't if it's. I do you really believe we're three years away from him. Well, he won't be at the prime. We will not see. It's very possible because he might have played his way out of San Antonio. I, I would say that right now, if you had if you had said Michael, what's he going to sign for in early February? Lonnie Walker was probably a five million dollar a year guy, maybe a six million dollar a year guy. But now, because of the stretch that he has done the last six games, he's averaging more than 20 points a game the last six games. Right now, I'm looking at him going, this guy is now going to be making north of $10 million. And if he finishes the year with a stretch of 20 to 25 games where he's averaging, because right now he's averaging more than 20 over the last six, if he can stretch that out for a 25-game period, the dude's going to be making $14 million a year. Book it. And that will price him right out of the market here. That's right. And that's absolutely crazy because... I'm looking at the free agency market, and, and the Spurs have a lot of money to play with this offseason, but the best one that they could possibly get might be Lonnie Walker. And it's sad because we've been talking about the Spurs needing a second star inside the team, and maybe they have one uh, uh, in the stables, right? Is it is it Primo? Is it Vassell? Is it Keldon Johnson? The one person we did not talk about was Lonnie Walker. But ever since Derek White left, Lonnie Walker has been a different type of player. He is confident. He has a different, I mean, there's consistency to what he is bringing because the Spurs are now showing him consistency. They're showing him consistent minutes, and he's getting the ball differently. He has a different purpose on the court, and he's playing so much better because of it. And it's it's sad to say that because I like Derek White as a person, and he brought some very interesting things to the team, especially defensively. But this was a trade that actually benefited both teams. It benefited the Celtics because they have a better defender there. And he's doing what they need, and it helped the Spurs out because now we look at Lonnie. If you don't think the Spurs are going to sign Lonnie Walker, why are they playing him 30 minutes? Well, here's my question to you. Is he a starter? Is he a star? A starter. Oh, a starter. Um, doesn't have to be. Manu Ginobili wasn't. Well, I'm just throwing – let's not compare him to Manu. No. Is, if he is to stay, and you're talking about – what he's been doing successfully is scoring and you know being part of this offense, but he's not doing it with the starters. He's coming off the bench doing this. Is he is he a starter in the NBA, 
Or is he finding this niche that, you know, for so many years, Patty Millsfield, and we've had others that have been that guy off the bench. Is that what he is destined to become? Or is he a legitimate NBA starter, which is what I believe. I think Lonnie should be a starting two guard in the NBA. Now, whether he fits with us, I don't know. And I would like to have seen Josh Primo take a few steps. But the good news is Lonnie got an opportunity to capitalize. Mm -hmm. The door opened up and he walked in and he did it. So that's the first thing we asked for. And first, the, the job, the assignment for this season for Lonnie was get better and stack the good. Do three games good. Don't do up and down. Don't give me 25 one night and disappear for two games and then come back and do that. And he's stacking them now. And that's something that he's never been able to do before. No. But again, he is now consistent because at, at some point, he was the first guy off the bench now. But but back in the day, he could have been the, the first guy off the bench. He was sometimes the third, sometimes the fourth. He would get minutes that were 15 one night and then 28 the next. And there was no consistency to what he's doing. But now he's getting the ball where the where it can it can utilize his athleticism and it plays to his strengths because now he's running downhill and and Derek White would slow the ball down. Derek White liked to play half court. Lonnie can run. And and DeJounte is willing to run with him and Vassell's willing willing to run with him as well. It's a different looking team because Derek is not there. It doesn't mean that Derek is a bad player. It's just he didn't fit this team. He didn't fit DeJounte. He didn't fit Vassell. Sure as hell didn't fit Lonnie Walker, but now Lonnie Walker, as you're saying, is now stacking good games upon good games. I don't think this is a fluke. I don't think this is something where he's just going to suddenly play bad now. I think Lonnie has found his stride because he has found his purpose on the court, and he now, now knows what's expected of him. And if he's going to be playing 30 minutes a game like he is right now, 28 to 30 minutes, to me that means the Spurs are going to re-sign him. But it's going to cost money because there's going to be a team out there that's going to have a godfather offer for Lonnie Walker. Because, again, why would another team not want somebody who averaged 15 to 20 points after the All-Star break? You know, the issue with with Lonnie and with where he lands in the future, it's, it's so incumbent on other things. Because we're looking at a, at a position in shooting guard that is still three, even four deep. There's a lot of guys that can do what Lonnie can do. There's a mm -hmm. lot of six five guys that can jump out of the gym, hit a moderate amount of threes, take you to the rim, play athletic defense. In the NBA, there's two of those guys on every team. He is not unique, Lonnie Walker. He's unique to us, or not even really that unique to us. Yeah, he's playing well, but there's a lot of guys look just like him that can do the same thing. I don't agree with that, man. Oh, there's three on our team. No, man, because Lonnie's a little bit different. Man. Don't give him too much credit. He's stacked six games together. He is no, no Devin Vassell no. plays the same game. Josh Primo plays the same game. And to some extent, so does Josh Richardson. That's on our team. Okay, so okay, so I, I don't want I don't want to make it sound like a wide receiver. When a wide receiver, you get rid of a wide receiver who who catches for eight hundred yards or nine hundred yards, you can replace that one pretty easily. But when it comes to to athletic guards, you cannot replace that guy's athleticism. Yes, you can. There's six other guys that jump just like Lonnie. There's seven other guys that shoot better than Lonnie. There are athletic players out there, but I don't think they're as athletic as Lonnie. I think Lonnie's a little bit more athletic than they are. What, a double, two inches more on a vertical makes the difference? I, Sometimes it does. Not, not Sometimes it does. Hey, about. I think we get lost because he's ours. There's a lot of Lonnie's out there. A lot of them. And if you're talking 10, 14 million, I ain't paying 10 million for a lot of guys that look just like you. But how many of them know pop system? How many of them know the scheme? How many of them already gel with DeJounte Murray? That's the, that's the question right there. 
And the only answer to that right now is Lonnie. And I'm not saying that the Spurs need to sign him for 18 to 20 million because no, at some point you get priced out. I do understand that. But at 10, at 12, even at 14 or 15, I'd understand because we gave that money to Derek White. And I believe that Lonnie Walker can be a better player than Derek White. And guess what? Kilbasa Bacon phone lines are open at 656 ESPN. Again, if you give a take and dare to sing a little bit of Neon Moon, you might get tickets to see Brooks and Dunn in concert in June at the AT&T Center. We have Juan on line one. What's going on, Juan? Orale, Juan. I guess we lost. Yes, sir. There we are. Hey, What's there up? you go, brother. What's going on, man? Talk to us about the Spurs, man. What's your take? Man, I just think they're a young team. I think they're uh get better every year. Can't wait for next season. Um, it's exciting watching them play, watching them compete. I mean, they try so hard and and work so hard. It just seems like the last quarter or the last few minutes, it, it it just falls apart. Can't get a bucket or can't get a rebound. And and just seems like that's what happens. So why are you calling? What's your point here? Do you, are you chasing Lonnie? Do you like the, the, the Josh Primo idea? If I told you Devin Vassell, Lonnie Walker, Josh Primo, Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott, of those five, three are going to be gone. Who are the two that stay? Well, I say Josh Primo. Actually, guys, to be honest, I was calling for the tickets. Woo, was that's okay. You that's okay. It's a two-parter. You got to give a take and you got to sing. So give us the take and then you sing. You can't eat your pudding if you don't eat your meat. <laughs> Which, by the way, 49 years ago today, Pink Floyd's The Wall debuted. Really? You can't eat your pudding if you don't eat your meat. Is is that a song on there? Well, okay. Well, I, I want to wow. hear. I, I want to hear a little Neon Moon. So let, let let let's hear a few seconds of Neon Moon. Okay. The jukebox plays on, drink by drink, and the words of every sad song seem to say what I think. And it's heard oh, okay. inside he, of me. Yeah, he's got yeah, he he got it. Ain't never gonna end. Somebody's oh, been singing oh, a little bit right. of a. Get let's get as his contact information then. From a neon moon. There right. you go, man. That that is fantastic. You're getting tickets. Well, it wasn't fantastic. You know but what? It was acceptable. I've been to many a karaoke bar. That was beyond acceptable. There was a karaoke flutter there. Someone has sung that song on stage. You know what? We're gonna have Raymond coming in in a minute because Raymond's online right now, wanting to do a a, a verse or two of that. But oh. man. I cannot believe the Lonnie Walker slander that you've been given. This is not slander. <laughs> in, in three weeks, if he continues to do what he's doing, he's a year late, but he's finally there. Yeah. It, it, remember the end of Jerry Maguire? When Jerry Maguire goes up to Glenn Fry's character, who plays like the GM mm -hmm. of the Arizona Cardinals, and he gives them that sign of like like the money. He just rubs his fingers, and, and Glenn Fry's character like, goes, yeah, you got me. I, got, I know, you got I know. Me. That's what's going to happen at the end of the well, season you know, if Lonnie me, does this. Let me tell you, I, I think... Especially when you're dealing with a with a franchise that is trustworthy, mm -hmm. a franchise that you you know is not trying to do anything but the very best for you and the franchise itself. It is a pleasure for owners to pay players that have earned the money. Yeah, it's a pleasure. You know when when if Lonnie was to show up for the the free agent negotiation and this season was about show me and he showed you, it is a pleasure to go. Guess what, my brother, you did it. If we plan for this, and if you did this great, this is how much you're getting. Here it is, my brother. You earned it. I hope that they have to go through that. I hope, and I know that they do too. I know that Holt and and uh, 
I was going to say RC, who's probably above all that now, but Brian Wright are eager to pay him as <laughs> much as they can because it showed, look, dude, we gave you the opportunity. Three years later, you've earned it. Let's go do this now. You're now official. So I, I hope that he is there. I'm just worried that, one, he's going to outplay the slot that the Spurs have for him, or two, we're still going to deal with inconsistency through the rest of the season. Now, meantime, Josh Primo got sent back to Austin, and the thing about it is is that the last 10 games, he was playing miserably. I mean, he shot 29% in the last 10 games. They sent him back last night, played for Austin, had a horrific game, just an awful shooting game as well. And right now, I'm looking at it, and people are asking the question, is this something that we should be concerned about? But I just think that he hit the rookie wall. The rookie wall happens to the best of them. It happened to Tony Parker back in the day. It happened to uh, Lonnie Walker. It happened to DeJounte Murray. It happened, it happened to, to Luca. Vassell. Yeah. It's happened to a lot of players. I'm not saying that he's Luca. I'm not saying that we brought in a Simonich-type draft pick here. But when the Spurs drafted Luca at, what, 19? Yes. They thought they were the smartest guy in the room. They were so they thought they'd had him. You could tell there was a smug at like we he worked out at the combine for like nine minutes, and they pulled him off because he had played so well. And they went and got him, and they thought they had found their dude. Mm-hmm. They were acting the same way when they drafted Josh Primo. Like yeah, you know, not a lot of talk about the guy. He's young and he's inexperienced, but we see something there. There's that it factor that we know when we see, and didn't show up with Luca. And I'm not saying that that, that this is going to be Josh Primo. But the Spurs have not built up much credibility with me. I trust Sam Presti. Sam Presti at Oklahoma City, he was after Primo, was trying to move up to get him. And when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute, there's something there because I trust uh, Sam Presti more than anybody in the Spurs front office at this point. And to to this point, there's no reason to to, to not trust the fact that Primo can be that, because I think we've all seen the glimpses. But mm-hmm. Oklahoma City was on a different kind of a timeline right. than the Spurs are. And that's the thing. What is the timeline? Because Primo's timeline might be four years. Well, we, you can't we saw do that, that with Lonnie. We, we saw that with Lonnie. He's 19 years old. Primo should be a freshman in college right now. Okay, I know he played one year of college, but he was he skipped a year. Are you year. making an excuse for him or the Spurs? I'm making an excuse for both because I think when when he got drafted, we all had to come to the to to grips with the fact that this was not going to be a one year turnaround for this guy. It was going to be a three or four year thing. Last night, Primo nine points, four of nineteen shooting, zero for five from three, seven turnovers in thirty four minutes. Austin Spurs lost to the Legends, ninety nine ninety four. I'm not worried about it because, again, he's a young guy, and we're—I mean, he's two years removed from high school, and he's not used to this type of travel, this number of games in a season, an 82-game season all over the country. He's not used to that, and we saw Keldon Johnson fall off a cliff as well his first full season with the Spurs. So, not too worried about it, but uh, Spurs may be back in action tomorrow, eight of the next nine games from home at home. I think the Spurs have a really good chance of making this play in tournament. And because when we come back, we're going to be talking about some teams that are falling. And one I absolutely love, the L.A. Lakers lost again last night. They've lost 15 out of 21. 
And LeBron James' comments after the game kind of startled me because it didn't make any sense to me. We'll be getting into that. Again, we have callers calling into the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines, 656 ESPN, for your chance to see Brooks and Dunn in concert AT&T Center in June. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. Take a break This is Halftime with Michael Jimenez on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. Upload a photo of what's on your grill and enter a description or recipe at sasportstar.com and you could win a $50 gift card to Tri-County Meat Market. Winner chosen every Thursday at 6 on the Blitz. Welcome back to Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star on ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. We're on the go at sasportstar.com. We are live on Facebook and YouTube as well. Just search San Antonio Sports Star. Like and subscribe. Leave some comments. And, uh, you know, it's a big Big sports day. We have lots to talk about, but we also have lots of things to give away. We're giving away tickets to see Brooks and Dunn in concert and also Coheed and Cambria. That'll be in the one o'clock hour. But for those who want to see Brooks and Dunn, they have to sing for their tickets. And we have Raymond <laughs> on the phone right now. Let's see if you're good enough for these tickets, my man. How you doing, Raymond? How's it going, Rob? I got a question for you. Are you a, a, a Brooks or a Dunn fan? Is there one oh. or the other that, you know, is one carrying the other? I think Kicks Brooks is carrying done, has been for years. <laughs> That's what I say. I, I, I'm a Brooks fan, definitely, but I still love those guys. So it definitely would be. Dude, I couldn't guys. pick you. You know, I interviewed, we interviewed Kicks Brooks yeah. at the Super Bowl. Really? That He is oh. legitimate music royalty, and he's just walking around the building, and we managed to sit down with a cat. He's yeah. kind of a radio guy. I had no idea when we talked to him just, what, two weeks ago, Mike? Yeah. That he was, they were coming to San Antonio. We'd have hit him up for some backstage passes. He didn't, <laughs> didn't take care of us. But if you want to go, man, let's hear those golden tunes. Let's hear some neon moon. I sure do, Rob. Here it goes. When the sun goes down on my side of town. Gotta be honest. I expected more. Come on, baby. We gotta bring it stronger, baby. Bring it stronger. And the whole world turns blue. There's a rundown bar across the road. Sound off like you got a pair. What are you, a church? <laughs> Way in the back where I sit alone. I think I'm losing you. We love you, Raymond. We do. But that was uh that was uh feeble. You got, oh. you got, that was I'm not sure, man. Yeah. I think we need to hold on to these tickets. Yeah, man. that one I want to hear singing. You were you were like underneath the blankets, underneath the cover, so you didn't wake your mom up. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love you, man. We appreciate you. Hold on. Uh, when you uh, when you open up the mics like that, you never know what you're. I, did you not expect more? I did. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's an iconic song. We've all sung this song before. I mean, come on, it has to come off wow. like like you are in the shower. No one's listening. No one's in the house, and you're just you know just belting it out, man. What are the other? Other Brooks songs from Brooks and Dunn. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was single back in the 90s when Brooks and Dunn was a big deal, right? So I knew how to two-step to Neon Moon. Has it been that long? It has been that long. I mean, I'm sure they're still really, really big. I mean, I know they're very popular. By the way, 656 ESPN. Kielbasa Bacon phone lines are open. 656 ESPN. We'll get Raymond's information yeah. just in case. But if there's the another love. singer coming in who can beat him, you're getting tickets to see Brooks and Dunn, AT&T Center in June. Uh, in June, because probably the Spurs won't be in the NBA Finals, right? So the AT&T is open that week. Yeah, I think they're safe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny. We got a little bit of a, 
a scare there, Dallas Cowboy fans. Last night, you know, we saw that uh, that press conference that Coach Mike McCarthy had, and uh, just very nonchalantly saying, "Oh yeah, you know, we had a bunch of players, eight players who had surgery. Dak Prescott was one of them." And everyone just looked at each other like, "Did he just say Dak Prescott had surgery?" And I know it's the non-throwing shoulder and whatnot, and he says that everything is fine. But Rob, do you think this is a big deal to, yeah, to make this deal. announcement? I mean, because I mean, doesn't mean it's going to heal properly, right? Well, there's a couple things. First, don't tell me a surgery is no big deal after it's been done. You know, you can tell me ahead of time, like, look, the docs looked at this. This is what we're going to do. And in the parlance of what these doctors do, this is no big deal. And then you go have the surgery and say, we were right. It was no big deal. He's back at work, and you're not even going to know the difference. Then there is, oh, no, let's go see what's going on. It's it's surgery for something, but they might be something worse. Is yeah. what I figure happened, that he'd been playing hurt, and there was a potential that it was more than it was, and it turned into a cleanup, and he's back. I, you know, I, have, I look at this on two different sides. First of all, he played every game. He played. There were some accuracy questions, nothing new, but there were some questions at the for the last game that Michael Irvin brought up regarding. Look, man, or Troy Aikman actually brought it up regarding Michael Irvin. Said if I was quarterback in that Forty Nine er game, and I looked over and saw them playing soft all day long, Michael Irvin would have had ten catches in the first mm-hmm. half. Well, could we look back at that game and go, Troy was right. Dak wasn't able to deliver the ball. Let's make more excuses for Dak. Well, That's just, what that sounds like, I'm not like, making man. excuses, Dak, but, but I'm headed toward is Did McCarthy not put his player in a position to be successful? Dak Prescott's infallible. He can't do anything wrong. It is wrong to criticize Dak Prescott. That is the belief of most Dallas Cowboy fans. But it's the because he's elite, right? I mean, if everything was in place, he's an elite player. And don't get me wrong. I think that Dak Prescott's a very good quarterback and a very good leader. So I'm not really saying that he's a bad player or anything like that. But it's just been one of those things where it's never on him. And this injury right here, maybe it is something. Maybe there was something there that prevented him from being the quarterback that he could be. But at the same time, it feeds into that narrative of, well, here comes another excuse for him. Because that's all that we ever hear when it comes to Dak Prescott. It's just another excuse, another excuse. Fact of the matter is, is that they did not force the ball into their playmakers. They allow defenses to get C.D. Lamb off the field, if you will, because... You talk about this 12-5 and offense that led the NFL in points and uh, yards. Yes. Okay, so we're making excuses for that guy. Yeah, because, okay, because, okay some of those statistics are... are Dude, I, you, you jumped into a deep pool. I wasn't trying to jump on Dak. I'm just... Uh, what my, my concern, it goes even deeper. We saw Mike McCarthy keep running Zeke, though he knew we didn't, that he yeah. had a PCL tear. He knew we didn't. We're trying to. Why is? Why aren't we seeing more? What Zeke's a warrior. We Zeke, find, yeah, we find out after the fact. And I find that that's not Zeke's fault. That's McCarthy's fault. Well, let's hear from Coach Mike McCarthy saying, "Hey, no big deal. No big deal at all. Clean up of his left shoulder. No, I don't. I don't. I don't see it. It's 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 not a concern. We have no concern. He's doing well. I'm sorry. <laughs> We were concerned last week before, but now I, we're fine. I, I don't think so. I mean, he, you know, Dak practiced, you know, he practiced, you know, full go, um, you know, throughout, but, you know, it's just something he felt like he needed to get cleaned up. That was a very awkward press it conference, was. you know, because you just see Mike McCarthy just twisting in the wind, having to answer these questions about injuries, having to answer these questions about Sean Payton, you know, say, saying things like, I'm not worried about Sean Payton because I have a really good relationship with Jerry and Stephen Jones. 
And it, it was so awkward because all of the questions being asked of him made him defensive. I think Mike McCarthy did a good job, like standing up for himself and being out, being forthcoming. But man, it was just a very awkward press conference, and uh, he just twisted in the wind the entire time. Well, can you imagine? The last time we spoke was after a loss, and since we spoke, your chief of PR has been fired. There was this internal sexual harassment thing that's been going on forever that we didn't know. You did. We didn't. There were some allegations about his owner. You you got to break the news that your quarterback just had surgery for an injury we didn't even know he freaking had. Your, your GM is being asked whether the three cornerstones on this team at least one year ago, DeMarcus Law and Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott, are even going to be on the freaking team. Mm-hmm. That's the hurricane that McCarthy stepped into. And then you add in the narrative that a guy is being actively courted as the next head coach by your owner at some point, even though after a while the denials came, who has done nothing more than you have in his in his tenure in the NFL. He has one Super Bowl done with one great quarterback, McCarthy. He's he, So he stepped into a difficult situation, and I, I like McCarthy as much as any other guy. Um, that one was a tough one, and I, I, I congratulate him for getting through, but man... Some of this is on you as well. I wonder if this team is going to be better or worse this upcoming season because I don't know. Cowboys, $22 million over the cap. Lots of reports out there saying that out of these four players, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randy Gregory, Tank Lawrence, that two of the four are likely gone. And let's add in one other issue that we're still not talking about, a first-place schedule. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to be a harder schedule because they had a a very cupcake schedule this uh, this past season. Hey, real quick. Los Angeles Lakers lost 15 of 21 games, and they are dropping like a rock, like a boulder down a cliff, because right now they're two games away from being out of the play-in tournament. Can you imagine that, Rob? Can you imagine if LeBron James not only misses the playoffs, but misses the play-in tournament? What did Miami look like when he left? (laughs) What did Cleveland look like when he left? Looks a lot like the Lakers do now. Yeah. I mean, he the, the the destruction that he wrought, he will run from. It's so easy to blow him up. I watched a little bit of the game last night. He alone was standing against. He was one of the mighty three hundred. I mean, he alone, <laughs> he alone fought that fight. Nobody else on that Lakers squad fought last night. For whether it was Vogel pulling him out, and I know a lot of the points that LeBron pulled in were were garbage minutes. But at the end of the game, did you see who had to guard Luca? The 37-year-old LeBron. Now, Luka was eating him alive, but Vogel, the best you could do is a 38-year-old man against Luka at the end of a game on game 40 of the season? Now, understand, now understand LeBron leads the league in walking and has been for many, many years. Have you seen that stat of the player that walks the most on the court? It's LeBron. LeBron only plays offense, and he plays no defense for three quarters, and then they ask him to play D at the end of each game. That's the way that he plays. After the game last night, he said that the team still has a chance and says, quote, until you bury me 12 feet under, then we've got a chance. Until you Didn't stomp me out, right? 12 feet under? Is, is he that tall that six feet wasn't enough? You have to go 12 feet when it comes to LeBron? But uh, it was, I mean, they're, they're dropping so fast. So what right now, this, they're two games away from dropping out of the 10 spot. Spurs right now are two games away from getting into the 10 spot. 
So they they might pass each other up in the next month or so. Very fascinating because, again, the Lakers have lost 15 of 21. And by the way, last night, the Brooklyn Nets also lost to the Raptors, lost by one point. It was weird seeing that starting lineup because that starting lineup for the Nets last night had LaMarcus Aldridge and Patty Mills in silver and, and what, what do we call it, gray and black. It looked a little bit familiar. Almost worked. They had <laughs> lost to the, the Raptors at home by, what, 36? Yeah. They go up to Toronto and squeeze it out. It would look a little silver and blackish, and LaMarcus and Patty played well. I was impressed with the with the game, if not the outcome. With the Lakers and also with Brooklyn, it's easy to throw dirt on them until we see Anthony Davis back. You know, I, I'm all about counting him out. I hate seeing purple and yellow in the playoffs. Yeah. But until... Like he was saying, until the, 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 the dagger is in the heart, we have killed the vampire with the dagger or the silver bullet to the wolf man. I'm not going to count him out yet. Mm-hmm. Because once Anthony Davis comes back, that is a different roster. It is a different team, but they have no shooters. Oh, there's a lot of, pro- there's a lot of problems. There's, they have no shooters. And the great thing is, is that the Lakers front office told LeBron James to go kick rocks. Because LeBron James was the one who brought Russell Westbrook to that team. They could have had Buddy healed. They didn't do it. They had a deal in place. They got Russell Westbrook instead, and the the season has just been been awful because they have no shooters, and Russell Westbrook isn't a shooter. So it's 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 fascinating because they don't have draft capital. They have uh, uh you know bad contracts that are overinflated, and they have a superstar who can't do anything about it other than sulk because he doesn't have a player option. Well, their 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 primary problem, Mike, is if you really deep dig into their roster. As now they're fresh out of Aggies. See, when they had a Caruso and they had a DeAndre Jordan, they had two Aggies. <laughs> now they have no Aggies, as they cut DeAndre yesterday or day before. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for the primary issue with the Lakers, it's a lack of Aggies. All right, I'll buy that. All right. So, <laughs> hey, we have a, we have more to come here Work on halftime. They got one. Aggie. They do. They do in Middleton, right? Yes. Hey, this is your chance to win tickets to see Brooks and Dunn in concert. Brooks and Dunn. Why am I saying in Dunn? Brooks and Dunn in concert. AT&T Center in June. Call 656 ESPN. I think ask our callers to name other Brooks and Dunn songs. What if we gave them a list of songs and they had to pick out the title, the correct title of a Brooks and Dunn song? We'll figure this out on the other side. But again, if you want to have a chance to win tickets, we're giving them away in the next 10 minutes. Call right now, 656 ESPN. Also, there's a, a show that I want to talk about with Rob because it intrigued me in R&R in the morning. It was kind of tawdry. It was a little bit, what did you say? It was kind of... It was Skinamaxis. <laughs> soft core. Soft core. Uh, so I, I got to get the name of that show. So we'll talk about that on the other side. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star. It's Rob Thompson. Join Rudy J and I tomorrow morning from 7 till 10 on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. Welcome back to Halftime on San Antonio Sports Stars. Sports, pop culture, and nostalgia. Live on Facebook and YouTube right now. My favorite comment of the day so far comes from Rodrigo. Says, Mike doesn't get back on defense in pickup games at Miller's Pond? I knew it. I knew he snowbirds. Dude, that's so funny because I used to play pickup games at Miller's Pond growing up. Miller's Pond. That's my old neighborhood, man. I grew up down there. That's that over. amazing that you made it all the way down to Miller's Pond. Well, I mean, come on, 410 and Ingram wasn't that that far. I mean, it was about a 15, 20-minute drive. That's a head drive. down to Medina Base Road like yeah. that. Yeah. Pearsall. I mean, my gosh, that's a, you're heading down to the, well, my, 
Mi barrio, mi they place, had, man. I, had, I grew up there. There wasn't a gym there. There was a pond. We used to fish bodies out of there for fun. <laughs> well, they have a great gym back there. At least they used to back in the 90s. We would rent it out. We'd have men's league basketball games there. It was good times, man. But wow. Miller's Pond, I loved it. And I was a good player, man. I was telling Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs and Ken's 5, I wasn't a great player. I was a decent basketball player growing up. But back in 1996, when San Antonio hosted the NBA All-Star Game, they had a three-on-three challenge over at the Henry B. Gonzalez Convention Center. Mm-hmm. And when it came to 6'2 and under, and uh, under the age of 20, that category, me and three of my friends, we won that that uh, league. We, we, we won the all-star celebration thing. You know, it, We won like six games to make it happen. A three-on-three tournament down there? Yeah. You play in the courthouse there behind the... <laughs> behind the uh, it was the in, parking lot behind the courthouse it was, was the one in the convention center that was, was put on by the NBA. It was put on by the, the hoop NBA. it up by yeah, the NBA. Yeah, it was good times. Man. Those guys were my competitors. Uh, I know we're getting we're going to give away some tickets. I want to uh, I want to talk real quickly. We <laughs> do this more professionally. David Ayler, uh, for those of you who know, uh, Dave Ayler is a producer, uh, an engineer, a radio guy through and through. That's been working across the street for a long time. Dave is taking another job. He's leaving our competitors, and as a worthy competitor they have they been, I'm happy that Dave Ayler is leaving. He is headed up to St. Louis. I want to say goodbye to Dave. Today's his last day over there across the street, and we are celebrating your absence and your exit because you're a worthy competitor and a good man. Dave Ayler, uh, congratulations and going back home to St. Louis. You've meant a lot to the radio community here in San Antonio. If you've been in this business more than 15 years, you have worked at some point with Dave Ayler. It's been a pleasure knowing you, man. We look forward to better and better things in St. Louis. Get on out of here, Dave. Uh, let's move along. Very cool. Congratulations. Hey, as we said, we're giving away tickets to see Brooks and Dunn in concert June at the AT&T Center. And we're asking people to sing for the tickets. And we have, a, and our phone lines are lit up, so we're going to go through it real fast. Jonathan C., you're first up, my man. You're on line one. What's going on, Jonathan? Hey, Jimenez. Hey, Rob. Look, I'm, I want to get back to Lonnie Walker because you guys go. just think he's the next big thing when he's not. You know, you guys? I understand what he's done. I understand what he's done past the trade deadline, but I look at overall what he's been to the Spurs. After his third year, he had a, you know, a nice, uh, he's, he's produced, but ever since then, he's kind of been stagnant. And this is a contract year where he needs to go all out, and I feel like he's not doing that. But with that being said, somebody will pay this man, but they're going to overpay, and I don't want the Spurs to overpay. We can go to the draft and find another one of him in a minute. Oh he my goodness! We'll have to wait like three years for it to develop, though, man. That's the thing. Let's let, let's hear it, man. Appreciate it. Man. What's your favorite Brooks and Dunn song? By the way, I did not realize they sing "Boot Scoot and Boogie." That's another <laughs> song that they have. But you know Jonathan, what? let's you hear five seconds. Moon, so let's go, Boot Booty. Let's do it. Let's hear it. Uh, out in the country, past the city limit signs, and there's a honky tonk near the county line. The joint starts jumping every night when the sun goes I feel down. like he's dancing right now. I feel like he's line dancing as he's singing so he can get the words out on beat. <laughs> Women well, you know, and smokes. The last time I called to win some, some tickets, I accidentally sang a rock song. I don't know if you remember. We were at R&J Saloon. <laughs> and uh, it was supposed to be a Christmas carol, and I totally botched that. I just want to apologize to everybody on there. Well, you came back. A little... Uh, with a little hangover there, I apologize to all this sports let's, songs. Let's get his information for real fast. We'll, we'll do one more. Thanks for the call, Jonathan. Hey, uh, we'll yeah, also really let's also take a look at uh, let's see who, let's see who else is calling in here. We got Tyler on the line. What's up, Tyler? Tyler. Oh, I'm sorry, Garrett. I'm sorry. Hey, what's up, Garrett? Garrett. <laughs> so, man, you got a sports take, or are you just gonna do the singing? 
Um, my sports take is I love you guys, man. I've been listening to y'all for years. I talk sports. Your stories are sports related, so I always tune in to listen to y'all. Appreciate you. Um, uh, my favorite song is the Neon Moon, and uh, if you want me to sing, let's hear it, baby. <laughs> when the sun goes down on my side of town. That lonesome feeling comes to my door, and the whole world turns blue. There's a rundown bar across the railroad track. I think we got lost in the lyrics, but hey, Betty's singing. Yeah, I like it. We're going to keep your information real fast because we have two others to go through. Who's next, uh, Quinn? Uh, Edwin? No, no more. We're done. No more, Edwin. Thank you so much for that. So who do we think here? We're looking Garrett, or are we thinking, are we thinking uh, Jonathan? The first one? Jonathan C., congratulations. You're going to go check out if For no other reason, Jonathan wins because he at least sang the right song. He understood the assignment. Well, he didn't sing Neon Moon. He did. He called an audible on himself and did Boot, oh, Scoot and Boogie. I guess that's true. Which, again, is still another on, song. on topic. Name one more off the top of your head. Um, It's funny because Pledger was telling me some. One is called uh, Texas Women Aren't Single for Long. I uh, don't know that one. Yeah, so we'll be... There you go. We'll be giving away more tickets. Also, tickets on the Blitz with Joe and and uh, Jason. Are we going to do the same thing for the Coheed and uh, Cambria? I want to figure that one out, man, because I don't know if that's as popular as Brooks and Dunn. But uh, we have another hour to go here on halftime at the San Antonio Sports Star. You know, it's Movie Review Wednesday, so at one thirty, Terminator Two T Two finally saw it for the first time last night. We'll be talking more about the Spurs I'll on the other back. side. We'll be back after this. This is halftime on San Antonio Sports Star. Michael Jimenez. Halftime. It's our number two of halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 103.3 FM. On the go at sasportstar.com. We're live on Facebook and YouTube. Search San Antonio Sports Star. My name is Michael Jimenez, your host from 12 to 2, sports, pop culture, nostalgia. Rob Thompson's here with me today. I'm the nostalgia. You are nostalgic. And, you know, well, let's talk about some pop culture because some breaking news coming into the San Antonio Sports Star, if you will. During the is, com- is this breaking news, really? Well, it is because during the commercial break, oh, okay. this story dropped. Okay. A judge has ruled Kim Kardashian, quote, le- legally single amid her ongoing divorce from Kanye West. See, I don't understand that sentence. If the divorce is ongoing, how can you be declared single? That's the thing. So over the last three minutes during the commercial break, I was just looking this up because you asked the question, can she now get married? She's been dating Pete Davidson since October. If she wants to get married to him, can she? Because she is legally (laughs) single, but she is also legally married. I don't get this, but I'm reading a report right now, both on Insider Magazine and People.com. Basically saying that this might be a new thing in California. Of course it has to start in California. Where you're legally single, only the divorce has not been finalized. Like, personally, you can move on, but financially, you're still working things out. And apparently what's going on is is she's basically saying, look, I want this divorce to be over with, but Kanye's dragging his feet. And because of that, she wants to have this flexibility and freedom. Apparently, she's not the first person to do this. But she might be the most famous person to popularize this. Fascinating. You know, this is one of those few big divorces where both of them are leaving with a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I don't think one, I don't know what the difference in, in monetary worth is between the two, but I figure they're both in the same ballpark. 
Before and after. I would say so. And they have four children, uh, North, Saint, Chicago, and Psalm, ages eight, six, four, and two. <laughs> what? <laughs> what were their names? North. Sounded like wordle clues. <laughs> North, Saint, Chicago, and Psalm. Is North a, a, a male or a female name? I believe North is a female name. And, and is Psalm. I'm not sure. I'm not talking about who it was assigned to, but beforehand, <laughs> if you were going, Psalm, that's a boy name. Psalm. <laughs> is that a boy name or a girl name? This reminds me of a meme because the name Psalm of someone says, says, I got kicked out of Christian Mingle because uh, my, my profile said, come get Psalm. And it just reminds me of that because that's a name. Well, it's uh, not a name. It's a word. It's a word. It. I guess it's song, right? But uh, it makes sense. He's a singer. He's a rapper. You know, Psalm doesn't that make, doesn't that mean song? Well, no, Psalm is a well, Psalm is a book in the Bible, right? Psalms. Oh, now, the song Psalms, of Psalms are a century. A, a Psalm, at least in there, is a, more of a lyric and a poem that can be applied. I would call it more of a lyric. Okay. Okay. Than a poem, but, but legally single. So that means we don't know what that means. I mean, I get it. I get it because there are some people who drag their feet and some people say, hey, well, I want to get divorced right now. I am now legally single to do single things. But I think that wrinkle in there of, well, what about getting married? What about entering into contracts? That's so I, I'm so fascinated by this. I will be reading up on this later on today. Um, I wonder what this means in the soon to be stalking case. That Kanye's going to have to be deal deal with as they charge him with this. He, it appears to me he spends a lot of his waking time. I, I saw a picture with his latest girlfriend who looks <laughs> exactly like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> and he can't seem to let this Pete Davidson thing go. Yes. And now that they're divorced, I wonder if the uh, restraining order is imminent. Yeah, I saw a caption the other day that said... Uh, You'll never find another one like me. And then they show the photo of Kim Kardashian with this girl. They look identical with to this, each other with the same hair, with the same body dimensions, with the same. Uh, dunk. Yeah, the same glasses. Yeah, there there was a second Kim Kardashian out there and uh, Connie West found her. It's a fembot. She's not human. Oh, she isn't. It reminds me, man, there was this time I had a friend of mine who got divorced. Oh, my God. It's been about 15, 20 years ago. And the next person that he was involved with looked identical to his ex-wife. Well, everybody's got a type. It was beyond having a type. This was identical. Like, we, we couldn't tell the difference between the two. Why would someone do that? Everybody's got a type. You fall back on that type. I know that I'm, I've gone through your exact story 15 times in my life. With a divorce, the next, after the, the divorce looks exactly like, mm -hmm. it's, it's common. Everybody's got a type. You fall back to your comfort zone. Interesting. Hey, while we're on uh, some pop culture topics, you were uh, talking on R&R &R in the morning. Can I be honest with you, man? Oh, man. I have not laughed so hard at your show in so long. Again, it's a funny show. You and Rudy do a fantastic job together. But you, Rudy, and Pledger were just cracking up because you were talking about some show that you were watching. Was it Netflix? Or where yeah, were you it's watching? a Netflix show called The uh, The Great. And I... I just was looking for something to... We had watched basketball last night and, you know to keep peace in the house. It was nine o'clock or nine 15. And I told my wife, is there anything you want to watch? She went to Netflix and says, Oh, I've read about this. It's the same. And I read the uh, description of the series and it, I thought I read farce. I thought I read it was a comedy, 
But it turns out it's just a, a ripoff of Bridgerton. It's set in Russia with Catherine the Great marrying Peter the Great's son. And there are some historical facts that are true, but it really just turned into a skinnerback sex romp after about <laughs> 20 minutes. So obviously I'm interested. I mean, it was, it, it kind of got me in, but, um, I don't, I don't n normally watch those kind of shows with my wife. I don't, I didn't watch Bridgerton. That's, you know, right. she would go in the other room and watch her shows while I'm watching sports. And I didn't, I didn't care about that. So when you say these types of shows, you're talking about historical dramas. No, no, I love those. Or you're no. talking about Skinamax. No, the, the Skinamax <laughs> kind of stuff, because those movies are made for a purpose. That sometimes I'm not in a situation to realize the purpose those movies were made for. Okay. I don't know how else to put that. So uh, at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday night, that is not something that as an old married man who gets to get up at 4 and my wife has to get up early, it's not a common thing on a Tuesday night. So we're watching this show that has a lot of action, if you know what I mean, that in my younger years would have been squiggled. <laughs> So it's about, you know, 10, 15, 10, 30, and it's time to go to bed. My wife's like, you want to go to bed? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and I, I very quickly realized it was like watching a cooking show and finding out that the kitchen was closed mm -hmm. because I had uh, achieved a certain amount of hunger, let's say. And uh, she just went, went to bed like it was no big deal. Like, we can't do this. We can't do it this way because, you know, I'm a visual type. I'm a visual type. <laughs> a visual learner. <laughs> Dude, the way that you wordsmith this is amazing. Uh, it, it's a tap dance for sure. I just felt like I had been, it, it was not, I sh if I didn't know what I was getting into, I wouldn't have turned it on. I heard a phrase while I was in Seattle, someone who was giving a tour of the underground in Seattle. You, they used the phrase negotiable affections, which negotiable is basically. Negotiable affection. Yeah, which basically means you do this, you do that. I get this, you know, that type of oh, thing. Kind of a quid pro quo thing. Yeah, so so I, I asked my wife the other day, I was like, negotiable affection? Because she laughed at that term. But how, uh, how would a tour guide throw in negotiable affection into a tour? Well, it was talking about the fact that the city of Seattle was built. Over all those tunnels, yeah. Was built over the tunnels, but above all that, it was financed by a madam. And basically... The Great Fire in Seattle in the eighteen uh, late eighteen hundreds, uh -huh. early nineteen hundreds, that uh, there was a run on on the banks. And long story short, uh, the only one who made money that had the most amount of money and the most amount of property there happened to be the madam of that town. And it's uh, called the negotiable affection, is what they were calling it. It was it was their way of saying quid pro quo: you give me money, I give give you affection, or whatever the case may be. But uh, I started using that term with my wife, just kind of tongue-in-cheek. I like, like that, though. Negotiable affection. Negotiable you know? affection. I'll, I'll rub your back for half an hour. Come I, on, I we'll like make that. this happen. But I, everything can be had for a price. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't have not, to be monetary. It's not monetary. No. You know, it could be cooking. It could be cleaning the house. It could be whatever. We are all in that category. Absolutely. Because, again, Rob, you are married. I am married. And it's so funny. We talked to Pledger, who's never been married. And he hears our conversations, our stories, and goes, why would I ever want to be that why would I ever want to get married and to have a negotiable affection, you know, or, you know, and it's, it's just true. That's what happens. You know, it's just, see, for those of you that are unmarried as you, when you are about to take your oath and take the vows, whether you're in front of a JP or at your church, they're going to be somebody that's going to walk up and hand you a manual. <laughs> we don't talk about it and you're going to get this manual and all those things that we're talking about now they're in the manual. Mm -hmm. But somebody is going to hand you one right before you go, I do. 
And then you're going to open up and said, I might not have said I do if I did this, if I knew this. But there is a manual that all of us married men have put together over these thousands of years that we, we've kind of put for the next generation. These are the things you want to do, you don't want to do to make this happy. It's up to you to abide by them. There's a point system. That does exist. You do laundry. There is a point system. You do dishes. You cook. You do whatever. There is a point system for negotiable affections, for various <laughs> things, affections. for negotiable affections, or for guys' night out, or for you know a weekend trip with your friends. It does exist, and I I understand that manual. You know, it's, it's, it's been laminated. Mm-hmm. And the second that Pledger tells us that he's going to get married, he says, I do. No, we're not allowed to hand it to you until you're literally yeah. at the at the place where you're getting married. We don't want to give you a chance to run. And we really don't want you to give a chance to even read it. We're just going to make sure you've got it. And then when you've done the deed and you've, you've signed the contract, then you get to open it up and you go, so this is the small print I've been speeding by mm-hmm. in my I agreements. So mm-hmm. if I'd have seen this, I might not have agreed to all of my history being available to the entire world. See, we wait until you're actually there, and you're going to go ahead and click OK because you're ready to download the app. So it's the same thing here. You're going to click OK, and then you're going to realize, can I change my settings? No. No, you really and, can't. And, and, and we, we act and sound like we are opposed to this. No. We have we have become There's comfortable in, in these walls. It's, yes. it's kind of like the Shawshank Redemption and Red saying that we get – we get attached to these walls. We depend on these walls. We live on these walls. We want these walls. And that's what it is. Because if I was ever single again, and Rob, if you were ever single again, that might be fun for like a week and a half. No. And you'd be in a gutter somewhere for the rest of I our lives. I lost the ability to take care of myself. It's no longer possible. <laughs> it's sad, but true. You're a house dog. <laughs> well, I, 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 tell this story, I'm te- I tell this story a lot. It, it's been a couple of years ago. It was a Thanksgiving and all of the uh, wives were complaining about their husbands over and over. And my, it was my wife's turn. So she turns, and my mother, of course, the matriarch of the family, and she goes, you know, your son continually takes his socks off and leaves them on the coffee table. Your son, and my mom turned to him and said, you've had him longer than me. It's your fault. <laughs> Which just the, goes to show that no matter who it is, I can't, I, I'm no longer capable. The wedding song that my wife and I had was called I Love You by Climax Blues Band. And if you don't know the lyrics to that song, it's basically saying that she rescued me from the gutter. And now that I think about it, I was not a catch. (laughs) She, I mean, she completely. I think we can all say that. Yeah, she completely missed out because I'm a relative catch now, Rob Thompson. In your own humble opinion. In my own humble opinion. Uh, I'm a better catch now than I was 10 years ago, because 10 years ago, I was picking up in a car. You got more zeros in your bank account. Well, that, and I actually have a car that starts, because the car that I had back then, I would have to pop open the hood, the, the hood and I'd have to, like, shake the battery. You know, it, it, I, I mean, it was, it was so bad. We've all My, been there. The seats were all ripped up. It was bad. I was off a divorce from a few years past. And I was in a bad state, and she did rescue me. So, you know, that's that's why I put up with a lot. You know, negotiable affection. Negotiable affection. That's the word for the day. Yes. But speaking about negotiations, uh, it's going to take even bigger negotiations to get baseball season back on track because right now it looks like we've already lost some games already. The, the announcement was made yesterday that the first two series of the baseball season were canceled. And to be honest with you, Rob, didn't matter to me, man. I want to. Are you assigning blame when you see this happening? Is there one side that you look at as the reason or the fault? You know, ninety nine percent of the time, I agree with the players, but when it comes to baseball, those guys have it pretty good, 
And I understand that they don't want to give up ground. I understand that they worked hard, the uh, the players' committee and all that stuff. They, they worked hard to get what they've got, and they want to expand on that because no one wants to give up what they've already earned. I get that. But when you take a look at what the NFL players have when it comes to guarantees, when you take a look at what basketball players have when it comes to guarantees, the major league baseball players have it easy. So they should quit because they're better they got it better off than the other three leagues? No, they shouldn't quit, but they have no leverage because they're not going to get public support from this. Not during a pandemic and not during times of high inflation and not during times where people are, are struggling to make ends meet. They're not going to have the ability to go out there and say, We're taking a stand for ourselves because we want our minimum salary to go from five seventy five to seven fifty. They're not going to get that public relations win. And I understand the billionaires have more money, and I know the billionaires are sitting there laughing because these players, many of them, they could be making a million, two, three million a year. They're paycheck to paycheck, and the owners know that. They do. So you you look at this as an equal fault situation, and for the most part, it is. It is. You said it, I think, more than more clearly than most. We, I don't care. You don't care. I don't care. Well, we don't care about baseball till later. Now, there is the the there is the twenty percent of American sports fan that is devastated today. Mm-hmm. But it's just such a small Jeff Passan was you know worshiping group of guys that it's it's minor. It, it they have relegated themselves into a minor side. Edwin is a baseball fan. Edwin lives for the Brewers, but Edwin is, you're in the minority, man. You are. I mean, if you're living for baseball, one in 15, I would say sports fan, and this is over no empirical data, would rank baseball their favorite sport. Their favorite sport to watch, their favorite sport to follow, the only sport they watch, the only sport they follow. Baseball would be probably as small as hockey right now. And I know you have to talk about the grand existential, we're getting too big, this is all about money that's coming in, but I look at this like, I don't care who's wrong, you're both at fault, it's the billionaires dealing with the millionaires, but even better, I I like that the this, this season has been postponed, fewer games, those that will be played will be more important, and that's my issue with baseball anyway, so this is playing right into my hands, I'll get baseball eventually, in fact, let's, let's where are we, 91 games down? <laughs> yes, well, 91, but it's basically... Five games each or six so, games each. Yeah, five each. or six days. I'm down to a let's if we missed another fifty-six games per team, I'd still be down. Now, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred has basically said, look, we've come to an agreement on certain things that they are willing to increase the minimum wage, if you will, the minimum salary for players. They're willing to increase the ability to have they even talked about the fact that there might be some sort of lottery when it comes to baseball. Mm-hmm. One of the sticking points, though, was about the playoff system. And Rob Manfred basically says, hey, we're making some movement on that, too. We also listen to our fans. The expanded playoffs would bring the excitement of meaningful September baseball and postseason baseball to fans in more markets. While we preferred the 14-team format, when the format became a significant obstacle, we listened to the players' concerns and offered a compromise by accepting the 12-team format. Finally, we offered a procedural agreement that would allow for the timely implementation of sorely needed rules like the pitch timer and the elimination of shifts to improve the entertainment value of the game on the field. And 
we agreed to the universal DH. Wow. Crash Davis and Bull Durham would not have liked that because he says, quote, I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. So Crash Davis, Kevin Costner back in the day. Uh, no, I'm looking at this and I like a lot of that. I like a, I'm okay with the, the playoffs expanding a little bit. Um, the owners wanted 14 teams. It looks like the players wanted 12 and they're going to stick to 12. Oh, there's 10. Oh, there's 10. Players wanted 10. Players wanted 10, but they're going to probably settle on 12. Mm-hmm. That's how negotiations work. I don't understand that. Uh, you know, Keep in mind, in the playoffs, that's when the owners make their money. Because at that point, contracts don't matter. It's playoff pie that they're paying their players from. So it is gravy that the owners want. They want more playoffs. I don't understand why the players are so adamant about fewer playoff games. I, I, I don't get that. There's probably a financial reason about deeper than than anything else, but I, that's the one part of what the players are sticking with that I don't get. Do you know what's odd about baseball is that they play in 100-degree weather the entire season, and the World Series is played in 40-degree weather. Oh. It's like 40 degrees when they're out there. They're, you can see the, uh, the the heat coming from their mouth. It's just so weird. Well, a couple of things he said. Meaningful games in September. That was the management side of things, saying we're excited that we're trying to get meaningful games in September. Mm-hmm. Well, for average fan like me, who has a choice to watch baseball, playoff basketball in June, now it appears I'm going to have a, some football to watch. You better be giving me some meaningful games in June. I think you're focusing on the wrong part of the season. I'll be your baseball fan in, in late September, October. That's when it gets good. Find a way to get me interested before the All-Star game. There's where you've got to go and find a way to get me interested. And I think it's just the number of games. 182 is too many. If we're talking 100, maybe I'm interested in June because it now matters a bit more than it did. If you if you take a look at TV ratings, it's interesting because if you have a team in your city, the ratings are decent. But if you're not if you don't have a team in your city, it doesn't exist. In the NFL right now, huge ratings in San Antonio because people watch the uh, the Cowboys watch the Texans or whoever, right? There's big ratings in San Antonio, even though we don't have a team. But in baseball, you get huge ratings in Houston, huge in Chicago, huge in L.A. Everywhere else, awful ratings. That's just the way that it is. It's a regionalized game. It's it, it's no different than NASCAR. It's turned into NASCAR. Mm-hmm. They lost us. And the thing about baseball, though, it used to be my favorite sport. Growing up, I was a huge baseball fan. I've got 40,000 baseball cards from the 80s to prove it a big fan and as time went on just didn't like it man it, it just got to the point where uh, there was a big disparity when it came to the haves and the have-nots and they're talking about that you know commissioners basically saying that hey we're trying to make sure that there's a competitive balance but the players don't want that <laughs> it, it, it's just i don't know if that's true or not I, but it's, can I, I want to say something when you hear competitive balance what do you think that means what what in the grandest scheme of professional sports, when you hear we are trying to achieve competitive balance? The NFL did that in the nineties. Well, tell me what you think. What does that mean to you? Well, what I what it means to me and what it means to an, an MLB commissioner might be two different exactly. things. Exactly. And, and I, but what my my concern here is everybody hears these terms that can be defined by our own experience. Right. And it doesn't mean the same thing to me as it does to you. And when we're negotiating, we have to always be on the same page or really not negotiating. 
So when you come to me and say, I am trying to preserve and to maintain the competitive balance of Major League Baseball, what do you think the competitive balance is? Is it wins and losses or is it money? I'm not sure because there was no competitive balance to begin with. So what are they preserving? You know, because you take a look at it, you have some teams that outspend the lower end teams by three or four times the amount. You know, and, and it's, you know, you have a $40 million team and a $160 million team. And that's what I don't like. The NFL was like that. It was an arms race in the 90s. It was the Niners. It was the Cowboys. They outspent everybody. And they got a lot of rings because of it. Well, there's a lot of teams that spend a lot of money. Just because they spent money doesn't make them good teams. Right. But Edwin's Brewers aren't going to be one of the big spenders out there. That's never going to happen. No. The small market teams are always going to be in this situation. But what my concern is, when I hear competitive balance, what I personally hear is there is this X amount of money that we're all getting. Some of us as owners try really hard to win. Others of us as owners like having a team, but mm-hmm. also like having that guaranteed bit of money, and I'm never spending over X. I'm getting $100 million in, in TV. I'm just making these numbers up. I'm getting $100 million in TV and revenue coming in. I have a payroll that will never exceed 80% of what's coming in. I'm always pulling 20% of this gravy in. And if I'm losing, I don't care. This is my family trust. I inherited this. I was born to this. I'm not selling the team. I'm not moving the team. This is our personal T-bill. And when you see that and you look at what Cincinnati has been for 35 years under Paul Brown or the Brown family or whoever that is owning the Bengals, that's a small market team that decided for 30 years, look, the money coming in is enough. We're never going to spend big. We're never going to go get a free agent. We're not even going to try. And we're going to hope eventually to hire the right coach and draft appropriately so we can make ourselves relevant again. And they did. But as soon as that's over, do you think the Brown family is suddenly going to start spending a bunch of money? No, they're not. So the competitive balance to them is don't take away the money that I'm guaranteed. You're trying to take more of my money that I'm guaranteed. I'm still going to make money no matter what, but we need rules in place to protect me from myself and other owners. That's what I hear when I say maintaining the competitive balance. It's not about wins and losses. It's making sure that I take home 20% every year. And that's the sad thing that we're hearing. We, we heard this about the Dolphins with Brian Flores, that teams are not trying to win right. sometimes. So when I hear this... I fall on the side of the player, no matter what. Now, in the NBA, they have not only a salary cap, but they have a salary floor as well. And I wonder if baseball has something like that, or they should implement it if they don't, where you have to spend at least a certain amount of the maximum cap. And they have that in the NBA. I would like to see that if it, if it doesn't exist now. I would imagine every, every negotiated agreement between a union and whatever has a floor. I would assume that just like a minimum well, wage. Ra- got to raise that floor, man, because yes, but, but do you, are owners going to vote to raise their payroll? I don't think so. That's what I, when I'm hearing this, I'm, I hear competitive balance and we're offering this and we're doing that. All I hear is you're trying to take away more of the money that I believe that, that is mine, that I'm going to get no matter my team wins 180 games or no games. I'm still getting this money and you're trying to take it away from me. The competitive balance is in flux. Well, I mean, take a look at this. The, the lowest spending team last year in payrolls was the Baltimore Orioles at $42 million. The Cleveland Guardians now at $50 million. The highest, the Dodgers at 266, the Yankees at 205. Right. And here's my argument There's a problem with that. There is. Why should Baltimore fan be stuck with that? 
Why should Baltimore fan, we, we're so afraid of franchises losing. How bad has Baltimore been for the last decade? Yep. I mean, horrific, terrible. And you know what? The owners of the Ravens or the Baltimore Orioles made as much money last year as they did 10 years ago in percentages. They made just as much money whether their team was good or bad. They don't care. They don't care. Don't affect my competitive balance. What are you talking about? Be a good owner or get out. If you can't afford the boat, sell it. You know, Chris Gonzalez on YouTube makes the point that the Rays have two World Series wins with a, with a really low roster. And then what happens? They get rid of all their players. They turn into a farm team for the mm-hmm. Yankees. But, they're good uh, managed. They're, they're a well-organized, well-run baseball organization. They're a terribly owned team. Man, we got Rob fired up this segment. Hey, we're going until 2 o'clock here on Halftime. When we come back, it is Movie Review Wednesday, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. What is my judgment when it comes to this Arnold Schwarzenegger classic? And also, we're giving away tickets right now to caller number 5 to see Coheed and Cambria at the Whitewater in concert in July. That's uh, over in the New Braunfels Canyon Lake area. Special uh, guest is Dance Gavin Dance. Call into the Colbasa Bacon phone lines. Caller number 5656. ESPN. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star. It's Halftime with Michael Jimenez on San Antonio Sports Star. ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. Welcome back to Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star. ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. On the go at com. You can catch me on Twitter at MikeESPNSA. You know, it's uh, Wednesday. People love them. People hate them. People love to hate them. It is Movie Review Wednesday. And I'm doing Terminator 2, T2, Judgment Day. So before you started this, mm-hmm. had you seen, when was the first, you had not seen or heard any of the Terminators, or had you seen maybe a later edition? But nope. you hadn't seen the first or the second Terminator before you started these movies. Right. Reviews. So the thing about the movie reviews is that these are movies that everyone has seen that I have never seen All before. Right. So you saw Terminator and what'd you like? Did you, I mean, did you like it? The first Terminator I gave a B plus. So I said it was a B plus. I gave it a bullet, which meant that I was excited to watch the mm. sequel. Okay, because I liked how the first Terminator ended. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I was kind of sheltered, I guess, growing up when it came to certain pop culture things. And I didn't watch a lot of movies growing up from the 70s or 80s. So it's it's funny because people look at me and go, are you serious? You've never seen Terminator or T2? I'm like, no, dude, I never have. Now, before you give your review, my remember my memory of Terminator 2 was that it was actually better than the first. That it was one of those few where the sequel exceeded expectations. Now, I wasn't a huge fan, fan of the first Terminator. I enjoyed it, but I saw Terminator 2, and I thought, novel. They took the idea and ran with it. We got another Terminator. We got a, another character. They turned Arnold good because he had to, you know, all this. So I recall back in the 80s when it came out, I was quite happy with it. Well, yeah, it took a while for this movie to be made because the first one, I believe, was made in '84. The second one was in '91. Was but, it that long? But okay. it was de- it was it took a while to develop because what they were trying to accomplish from a CGI standpoint did not exist. It was a certain amount of technology yeah. that needed to be created over time. This was the one where the, it was the liquid Terminator, right? Where yes. you could stat, you'd make a little knife out of his finger and stuff like oh, that. Oh man, yeah, That's exactly. Yeah. So again, this stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously Linda Hamilton, who. She must work out because she was built. I mean, she was buff out there. In fact, I was reading that she did a 13-week 
uh, military training with with an Israeli commando to lead up to this movie. So you know, you see that scene where okay. she's doing uh, she's doing uh, what's it called pull ups. You know, in the insane asylum. So basically, it 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 catches up to the point where uh, Sarah Connor. You know, she is the mother of the son who will eventually lead the humans uh, into battle against the robots, against technology. Right? Exactly. Because the machines turn against the humans and start to battle against the humans. Which is prophetic. It's going to happen. Yes. But it's supposed to happen in 2027. That's the thing. And Judgment Day was supposed to be 1997, uh, specifically August 29th, 1997, when there was going to be a nuclear holocaust. And, and Skynet then, became self-aware. Exactly. Okay. And most humans died, and and they were trying to exterminate the rest of the humans. But you know, you have this son played by Edward Furlong, who is going to eventually be the person who's going to lead the humans into battle when it comes to this. And the first Terminator went against Linda Hamilton's character, where they were going after Sarah Connor, the mother, right? So they said that. So these these beings from from the future sent into time a Terminator to exterminate, if you will, to terminate uh, Linda Hamilton's character, Sarah Connor. That didn't work, so they sent a second one years later to catch up with the son, John Connor, to try to kill the son. Now, refresh my memory. How did Arnold become a good guy in Terminator 2? Well, he was reprogrammed. Ah. That's that's the simple thing. He was a reprogrammed. Who reprogrammed I have no idea. Okay. I've only seen this movie I, I, Man, I don't remember. And, yeah. I'm just curious. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's kind of funny because Arnold Schwarzenegger is the bad guy in the first one, and in the second one is the good guy. And eventually, you, you catch up with this, this preteen... John Connor, played by Edward Furlong. Think, one more. What did you think of the casting of Furlong? It wasn't bad. I was okay, okay with it. Uh, I, I remember him years later in American History X, and he was—he was amazing in that movie. He played. He was. A, he's a dark character. He plays a dark character. It's something in him. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the fascinating part of this whole thing was it, it catches up ten years later, and essentially what's going on is. Uh, Sarah Connor is in an in insane asylum. Asylum. No one believes her that this Terminator exists. That there was going to be a nuclear holocaust and all of these things were going to happen. So she's committed and she cannot escape. And eventually, she is able to escape because there is a new Terminator after her called the T one thousand, played by Robert Patrick, who is one of the creepiest people I've ever seen in my entire life. And this is somebody who it's a, it's a new and improved Terminator. Arnold Schwarzenegger's, Schwarzenegger's character says that says that he is stronger than me. He is faster than me. He is more developed than me. I'll do whatever I can to protect you guys, but that guy is different. And what's amazing was that I was reading about the creation of this movie, and they said that the reason why they chose Robert Patrick was because he was sleek and slender, and they wanted to make it appear <laughs> as though Arnold Schwarzenegger was a tank. But Robert Patrick's character, the T-1000, was a Porsche. Just a different type of thing. I can see it. And uh, essentially what ends up happening is, is is Sarah Connor's character is trying to not only get away from the T-1000, but is also trying to now kill the person who is going to develop the technology that led to the nuclear holocaust. That led to this whole thing that's going to happen in the future. What did you think of the effects? It was wonderful. It was great. 
Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Good. I'm I, glad you did because it, it was an enjoyable movie. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength here. Because even, I mean, I'm, I'm giving some exceptions to it all because one of the exceptions is, is you can tell when it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and you can tell when it's his body double. <laughs> yeah, okay. Really? I, I don't recall. Yeah. Some of the motorcycle scenes, some of the falls that were happening. I was like, that was not Arnold, man. That, that, I mean, how do you get a face that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger's face? But the thing about Robert Patrick's character, because I mean, he, he didn't, I mean, just that, that look, that piercing look, but then also doing the things where he's trying to go to the foster parents and he's trying to talk to them and be real nice. He was just evil in a weird way. It was just an, he was just a very straight to the point kind of, kind of machine. And like you said, he could turn his fingers into blades. He could turn them into swords and things like that. And it was, it was so cool. Now, when it comes to a rating though, I have not given an A plus. I don't believe in any of the reviews that I've done. This had the makings of an A plus, but I'm not going to go there. Really, it's better than the first one. So much so that it was nominated for like four Oscars and it won one for best visual effects. I'm going to give it just a straight up A. Okay, just a straight up A. And there's one reason why I did not give it an A plus, and it has nothing to do with the plot, has nothing to do with the graphics or the CGI, or any of that. Mm -hmm. I hated all the product placements. <laughs> Dude, it was... Very there, 90s feel to it, didn't it? There were six Pepsi commercials in there. I mean, just walking around. It's one thing for it's subtle, like they're holding a soda or whatnot, but it was so awkward. It was billboard signs. It was, And there was one for Subway, when Subway had their old logo. But I was like, aside from that, but it was different. The other thing about it is, is that you can tell it was big budget, because at the time, Rob... This was the highest, mm -hmm. the most amount of money ever spent in a movie. And it made five times that amount. And it's still, in, you know, when you adjust it for inflation, one of the top 10 yeah. biggest movies of all time when it comes to a rated R movie. But it's just one of those things where I looked at it and some of the, some of the things that made it hokey the first time around, which I kind of, that was kind of endearing, went away because it was big budget. Right. Do you know what it reminds me of real fast? It reminds me of whenever you listen to a band who has a demo tape. And, it, and there's something there, and you, you can see the talent, you can hear the talent, mm -hmm. but then when you put it into a big, big studio, and you're like, okay, it's it's better, but it's not as 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 grunge. It's not as, you It got know, too polished. It got too polished. Packaged, and, corporized, yeah. corporated. And that's what this movie was. I, I I'll give it an A. I, there is, I think you're probably... I think in most people's eyes, it was, you know, it was a good movie. I don't think it's one of the greatest of all times, but it spurred how many more Terminator remakes have there been? There was those right. two. I think they made one more with Furlong, right? Yeah. And I think the new one that's coming out is also, or the one that just came out also had him as well. And then, but we've had four Terminator movies now, or are we up to five? I think we're at six. Six. And we're talking about over 30, 40 years. It's one of the greatest movie franchises of all time. And one of the funny things is, is that people will, will sometimes flag me down about these movie reviews and go, well, you gave this movie a B plus and you gave this movie an A, so therefore the A is better than the B plus. No, sometimes you have to rank them according to the genre that they're in. For a, a an action movie, for what it is and the genre that it's in, it is an A. But it doesn't mean that I think it's better than Scarface. Maybe it is. I don't know. No, it's not. <laughs> but it's not going too far, but they're in the same vein. Yeah, it was a good time. So I have no idea what I'm going to watch next week. But uh, my wife was a little bit upset that T2 was was on, but she enjoyed it. You know, ultimately, she was like, I remember seeing this growing up, but 
but she was like, I haven't seen it since then. It's been 30 years. So you got a fan on here, Rodrigo Bravo. Furlong did not show up again except for a CGI recreation. Oh, okay. It was so strange. I always thought of all the casting decisions made in these mm-hmm. when they went to a female Terminator in the later versions. Yeah. The Furlong casting I always thought was odd. It just never really seemed to fit the movie to me. I don't know what they were chasing with him because he has this dark persona that he can't act his way out of. You're never going to see Furlong in a happy movie. Yeah, I mean, American History X, he was in uh, Detroit Rock City. That's uh, actually not too bad. That, yeah. wasn't, that was funny. Those are Yeah, but but it's just one of those things where you're, you're right. He is a kind of a dark character, mm-hmm. but he wasn't an actor. That, I be, that was the first thing he had ever acted True in. That. True they, that. They found him at a boys and girls club. You know, it's one of those things, one of those stories that you hear where a casting call, they're looking for someone new, and they saw that face and thought, that's the guy that I want. That's the kid that I want for this movie. Very bizarre how that all happens. You hear that with singers. You know, I hear like Tony Braxton was discovered at a gas station. I read a long time ago how she was singing to herself, and someone said, are you a singer? You know, mm-hmm. it, you hear these stories. It's so weird. But and again, she would go on to break up the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. <laughs> it was Jason Kidd. It was uh, Jamal, Jamal Mashburn and Jimmy Jackson. Jimmy Jackson. God, that was the original Oklahoma City trio, man. The trio there, man. That You know, when it came to Durant and Westbrook and Harden never winning it. Back in the 90s, Mashburn and Kid, those guys should have won back in the day. But uh, we're going to put a bow on the show on the other side. Also, this is your last chance to win tickets yes, to see Coheed and Cambria in concert. Call 656-ESPN. We're looking for caller number 5656-ESPN. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN, AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. This is Jason Minnick. You're listening to San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. This has been a fun show, but we have some breaking news coming into San Antonio Sports Star. The NBA has fined DeJounte Murray $20,000 for his ejection from the game the other night for throwing the ball at the official's legs. This is according to Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs and Ken's Five. Uh, I think he had to pay. He was willing to pay $20,000 just to get off that court. He had seen enough of Jaw in a variety of methods. He'd seen the bottom of Jaw's feet. He'd look squarely at, at Jaw's ass as he flew by him. He got tired of it, threw the ball, and went home. He would have gladly paid 20 k to just go back to the room. I mean, how were they both all-stars, man? <laughs> I mean, they both are all-stars. Obviously, John Moran is an all, is a great, but when it comes to breaking news, breaking news, we got tacos. Ryan Eagle just walked in holding bag of aluminum-wrapped food. What do we got here? Tamales. Tamales? Tamales. Very, very nice. nice. Uh, man, just these oh, from a listener. All yeah. right. Tamales to, for the Blitz. It is more than Carolina Teague that gets gifts here. That's amazing. No kidding. Well, I'll, I'll take food. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll leave follow. No, no, no. You can interrupt any time when you bring food. Joe Reinagle of TV fame, now a radio guy and living the dream that is Tamales at the front desk. Joe Reinagle is going to be living the dream of giving away Brooks and Dunn tickets tonight, 4 to 7, on the Blitz with uh, Jason Minix. This is his second real day as just a radio guy, and he's getting out early. We got Aggie basketball at six. Have you noticed his clothing has gotten worse and worse by the day? Oh, he's yeah. going to be in flip flops by the end of the week. He'll look like us soon enough. <laughs> Very nice. Rob, thanks for filling in and hanging out with me. This is halftime on San Antonio Sports Star. I believe we have Quinn and Tanner tomorrow, so we'll be Rock the Mic Champs five and six tomorrow. This is halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 1033 FM.